November brings with it a certain type of magic. Every wound October dug up, in one short breath transformed into healing when November arrives. An awareness sets in. I'm another year older, another year hopefully wiser, and this year, another year more grateful for the things I don't have in my current life. A year ago, I welcomed in my 30s on my front porch in Kentucky, eating homemade pierogi, drinking champagne, and blowing out birthday candles in cupcakes my news besties brought over. <laughs> I am blessed with <laughs> the small crew who stuck by me even when I didn't know how to be a friend to them. They showed me love, compassion. They helped me clean, pack, and get rid of a life I spent nearly three years creating. We closed the door on one chapter, but opened the door to lifelong friendships. I've left a piece of my heart in every friend I've made along the way. To me, friends are family. In my work life, the scales between friendship and competition were not always this balanced. Most days, they were tipped leaning towards the chaos, the competition. But when you find your tribe, you stick to it. I vividly remember a conversation with a coworker about a vacant anchor position. They had been questioning me why I wasn't competing to get it. A friend of mine had been working for over a year grooming to get this very job. And the truth was, I didn't want it. I didn't want the stress. I didn't want the competition. I needed the friendship more than I needed the status. Their response was, this is business, not friendships. But in my experience, news is a perfect storm of beauty, ego, and insecurity. Most of us have demons that we are either hiding or running away from. We compete with one another to give us some sort of satisfaction, a false sense of belonging. 365 days later, I spent my birthday alone, in solitude. It's a new normal, and to some, it might sound boring or even lonely. But remember, I said this year I'm grateful for the things I don't have. I'm alone, but I'm not lonely. I'm alone, but I'm no longer being watched. I'm alone, but I'm not scared. I'm thankful for dropping the dead weight of past traumas and moving forward with only people who are fighting to better themselves and others. This year, I'm grateful I chose friendships over competition. You're listening to And That's Okay, a mental health podcast. This is episode seven with Haley Minogue. We're not always friends, and that's okay. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us. You are watching and listening to And That's Okay. I am your host, Paulina Butska, and today we are joined with the lovely Greater Clark County Schools announced they'll close through April 3rd. Haley Minogue. So Haley and I met when we were working in Kentucky together, and full disclosure, Haley and I did not like each other. Um, yes. So this is the tea. Uh, we totally hated each other, actually. Yeah. Our coronavirus team coverage is going to continue here in a moment. It wasn't until 2020, and I think the situation forced us to kind of, uh, I guess, a tango together a bit and like kind of figure out how, how we want to maneuver this friendship or or at least a work friendship or any kind of relationship. One of the things that comes to mind is not only in 2020 did, you know, everybody had to socially distance. We had major protocols at our station that went into place. When we finally lifted some of those restrictions, you were one of the people that came back into the station. And so me and you had shared a couple of hours here and there together. In particular, I remember a day of you walking in and you were having a particularly tough time. We were taking self-defense classes as a station. 
following the you know social justice uh, protests that were happening in Louisville, and you were flared up, I think is the word that I want to use. So today's episode, again, guys, we're not always friends, and that's okay, but it's moments in our life that will bring us together anyway. So let's talk about that day that you were flared up and why. We were doing those um, self-defense classes and trying to just make sure that no matter what situation that we were put in, that we were ready to, you know, if we, if it came down to it, to have to fight. Louisville watched this peaceful protest turn violent. We were seeing news crews from other places in the country that were put in situations where they felt like there was a possibility they would have to fight their way out. We were fortunate, I think, as a station that we never were in those situations, but I was, you know, appreciative of the opportunity to be ready just in case. When we went to those classes in the morning and we were doing them, I think it was like 10 or 12 people at a time from the station. It started out, I mean, maybe the same for you, but it started out, it was just like hitting and kicking and it was like, okay, cool. Like they're teaching me how to properly hit someone or kick someone just in case I'm in that situation. And then they put us in a situation where they wanted everyone else that we worked with to completely surround us and back us into the corner. And they wanted us to fight our way out of that corner. And I think for me, the part that made me the most upset in that situation was that they said from the beginning, like, oh, if you're not comfortable with anything, like just let us know and, you know, we'll figure it out. But when it came time for me to open my mouth finally and say like, I'm not comfortable with this situation, they kind of like berated me in front of my my coworkers. And I was so, I was embarrassed um, and I was, you know, scared, obviously, of the situation they were trying to put me in. It definitely was a trigger for me as someone that is a, um, a survivor of domestic abuse. It was a huge trigger to say, like, we're going to all crowd around you. And then we want you to, you know, let's see what happens. Like, I haven't been in that situation. It had been, I guess, two years at that point. And I was just like, I don't know what's going to, how I'm going to react. I don't want to see how I'm going to react in front of people that I work with. I think that was one of those moments that you have where you're like, look at all this work that I've done to like get healthy and get better. And then it was like, psych, you are not ready to go. (laughs) Like you are not pulled together at all, sweetheart. Like you still need some serious therapy. (laughs) I think that, that we think that getting out, like once you finally get out, like it's over, like, woo, I'm out. But it's just like, there are reminders all the time of like that horrible crap that you went through and then even worse than like the horrible crap that you went through is like people berating you and being like well why can't you do it and like you really need to do it and like your station is paying us to do it and I was like this is not part of my (laughs) not part of my job I did not sign up for this it was a tough situation it was a tough situation and so let's go back to that day because you came back into the station and we were the only two females in the room at the time we had uh an empty newsroom, practically an empty building other than like three, four people. And we were all on separate floors and you were very upset. I had taken the class the day before and I had completed that um, training, but without you knowing, I was also triggered in this. Yes, I'm in a safe environment. This is a controlled situation and I'm being surrounded by my, my coworkers. And for whatever reason, something in my brain just kind of flipped. And I was like, oh, I remember this moment. I remember the moment of my nose getting broken, me getting pinned on the floor. I remember not being able to fight my way out and kind of trying to claw and trying to you know, fight my way through. What I remember is somebody just grabbing my arm at some point and pulling me out of that in this defense class. And one of our coworkers actually reached out to me after the class and said, hey, 
you know, I, I think she's just a little bit more intuitive too. She's like, you looked a little bit triggered, like what happened? Right. And so at that point, nobody at the station ever knew what I was going through at work. Um, not yourself, not, not the friend that had reached out to me. And, uh, you know, I just kind of played it off and said, yeah, I did. And, you know, I, I, I hope I didn't look like an idiot in front of everybody. And she's like, no, no, I just, you know, kind of saw that you, you were not there, you know, like wherever you went was not in that, you know, that exercise. And so when you came to work the next day, not knowing what I had gone through, not knowing that I was also triggered by this, I think that was the first time that I ever looked at you and I said, wow, I can't totally hate, you know, like whatever differences we had, whatever it was that like we had been through the last year, year and a half, I kind of put aside because for the first time I saw you as a human. I think it's so important to kind of drive that home for people because so often we forget that the people that we may not get along with or the people that we are surrounded with, coworkers, friends, they're going through internal battles that we are not always aware of. I uh, met a guy when I was working in a TV market in Alabama. And we started dating and of course, you know, looking back now, I'm like everything was a red flag, but at the time it's just like, oh, we immediately hit it off. It's so kind and he's, you know, he's got this great job. He really cares about me. Like he has his life together, seemingly. So, you know, I meet, I meet this guy, we start dating, things are going well. <clears throat> We've been together for about six months and I found out that I was pregnant and I was like, oh crap. Like, what are we gonna do? I don't know what we're gonna do. Like, freaked out, had to, you know, this would be the first grandchild. So I had to like tell my parents like, hi, um, I knew I lived 10 hours away from you. So I'm gonna drive home because we have to tell you something. They told me later, they thought that we were gonna tell them we were married. I was like, no. <laughs> but so we, we came back to Louisville, we had to tell them that, that I was pregnant. Was that um, worse or better? Was coming better home and Well, I think, I don't know, I think, <laughs> I honestly, I don't know. <laughs> I think that my parents probably would have been upset if I got married behind their back. It was a lot to wrap their head around and I was totally understanding of that situation to just like show up and be like, hey, remember those 12 years of Catholic school that you sent me to? Um, well, I'm pregnant and I'm not married. So thumbs up, but <laughs> you know, it's just like one of those situations where you're just kind of like, well, uh, I'm not a teenager. You know, I do have a job. I have a, you know, I have a college degree. I guess I'm kind of at the point in my life where like people around me were like getting pregnant on purpose. So it wasn't like totally, I don't know, unmanageable, but it was definitely shocking. And it was, it was um, surprising. It was something else. But as the pregnancy progressed, like I start feeling things falling apart. Um, he quit his job everything I'm about to tell you is just like how I think it happened but honestly so many things are lies that I don't even know <laughs> if he ever even had a job he just lost everything lost his car um lost his job lost his house whatever so we end up moving in together and there had already been a few incidents where he would you know either like push me up against a wall or, or things that I didn't really equate as like oh well like he hit me like that's a or we would get like really heated fights and he would kind of like shoulder me or trap me and keep me from leaving. And I don't think at the time I realized like, hey, this is abuse. Like it doesn't always have to be um, like a bloody nose or, you know, like gash or like open hand smack, whatever. Like if anyone is physically 
either touching you or preventing you like that is abuse and it took me a really long time to get there but you know things escalated and there were times where we couldn't go a week without getting in some huge knockdown drag out fight where you know and all this time of course I'm pregnant and you know he is trying to like lock me in closets he's trying to put his hands around my neck and strangle me and this happened all the way up until I had a baby you know this happened the entire pregnancy and for whatever reason I didn't tell anyone I didn't tell my my closest friends there I didn't call my parents I didn't call the cops actually I take that back I did tell two people I told his mom and I told his sister because they were there and you know like I said I was 10 hours away from my family they were there and I would call his mom and say like this this and this just happened and now you know he is um threatening to you know end his life if I call the police or he's threatening to you know, do this or do that. If I call the police, if I call anyone else, like, can you help me with the situation? And she would like come over and she would talk him down or she would separate us and this, that, and the other. But there was never any kind of like, let's do this with him or like, let's send him to therapy or let's, you know, he had a really bad drug problem that I didn't know about up until the very end of my pregnancy. They hit it really well, but there was never any kind of intervention, I guess, beyond that point. When my son was about two weeks old, you know, I'm obviously like, <laughs> I can't even barely get off the couch. Like I am like split open and I can't do anything. And this man is still like tormenting me. There was an incident where I was, he was leaving in the morning. He had gotten a job um, at a fast food restaurant. He was leaving in the morning to go to work and I was breastfeeding and anyone that's gone through breastfeeding like it is so stressful once you get into it like there are all these rules like you're not supposed to stop once the baby starts and you're not supposed to this you're not supposed to that especially when they're really young my son is mid breastfeeding and he's like let me hold the baby and I'm like I can't I feel like he's breastfeeding and I was really dead set on breastfeeding too because we couldn't even afford formula like there was we were on WIC, we were on everything. Like there was no way that we could do anything other than breastfeeding. So to me, it was like not even a choice. It was like, I have to do this, period. So I'm breastfeeding and he's trying to take the baby from me and he tries to rip my son out of my arms. And I was like, this is this is it. Like, this is game over. Like, I'm not doing anything else from here. Like, I've got to start making a plan to get out. And then that night, he was like, well, I'm sleeping on the couch because I don't want anything to do with you and that baby or whatever. And I was like, all right, great, perfect. Sleep on the couch. So I wake up at midnight, I'm sleeping like maybe two hours chunks, and I wake up at midnight to a phone call from a police officer. And he's like, hi, is this, you know, so-and-so's girlfriend? And I said, yes. And he said, well, we just caught him trying to break into people's cars to steal valuables. Um, we're taking him to jail. And he had already been to jail twice during our relationship for one time for like an unpaid citation for two for jumping a barrier at Mardi Gras and then he didn't pay his bond or show up to court so he got arrested again so this was a completely separate offense from those things so um, they took him to jail and because he had the other outstanding stuff they were like five or six days minimum so I was like great but he had been driving my car at the time so then my car got impounded and I'm sitting in the impound lot trying to get my car with a two-week-old baby who has like no immune system it's late November like it's cold outside and I just picked up the phone and called my mom and said mom I think I need to come home she was like I will be on a plane tomorrow like this is game over whatever so she came she helped me pack up everything in the house 
we said goodbye and I was like well I'm you know I'm going back to Louisville we can figure out the co-parenting we can figure out you know we'll get lawyers if we need to and I think that when I left I was so deep in and so sick that I didn't even realize that like this needed to be the end of our relationship I was like well maybe you know like you can go to therapy and like we can work on this and like we can be a family unit and like we can maybe like work through our relationship where I'm like holy shit like I finally got the opportunity to leave this guy and I'm still trying to like keep him in our lives like it's just so crazy and I'm sure that you know anyone that's gone through a relationship like this has had that moment of being like wait a minute I really like was trying to keep this person around. Like what was going on with me that was so like either desperate or hurt or whatever. Right before I started my job, actually at WHAS, I went back for a week so that he could like see the baby who, you know, is three months old at this point, his child. And while I was there, he I think he got fired from a job, still refused to get any kind of help and tried to act like he didn't qualify for certain, you know, assistance programs, public assistance programs with your mental health or with addiction, things like that. And wouldn't go to meetings, like nothing, just a complete mess. And then after that, he came to Louisville on the weekend of 4th of July. And while he was here, um, I when I moved back to Louisville, I was living with my parents. And while he was here, he, um, on the last day, my brother had just had surgery and he stole like 50 or 60 pills from my brother who is like you know had like a really intense surgery was supposed to be out for like three months recovering from the surgery he stole like a ton of pills from him and when my mom told me I was like all right that's it like we are no contact like whatever hopefully never have to see him again and I haven't and that was fourth of July in 2019 and I haven't seen him since then we don't have any kind of like child arrangement like he's never tried to come and see the baby again never said anything like there it's completely nothing like in my mind I'm like I don't even want his money I don't want anything like we just do not talk and I just don't talk to anyone in his family and it's been tough and sometimes I think like wow this is crazy like my son does not know his you know biologic contributor at all like has spent so little time with this person, has no relationship at all with them, but at the same time, it's just like doing really well. <laughs> like, I don't it's know. Safe, I think it's so crazy too. I think that's I, probably, it, I do you know, that's feel thing that like mentally, yeah. it's it's less taxing for you for the baby too. I'm sure, you know, and yeah. just safer over, like all around. You know, the entire situation doesn't sound very safe or stable I think is the word that the other word that comes to mind at first I used to think that he was just gonna like show up somehow like that he was just gonna like pop up on us or like whatever and those thoughts have become a lot fewer and farther between but still even it's like once a week I think I'm like oh that's the kind of car I used to drive like that him or like oh what if I just like get home and he's just like standing in my backyard like what am I gonna do so it's kind of kind of a terrifying situation but I think the longer that's gone on the more I'm like that man literally wants nothing to do with us and he's not Mm -hmm. gonna show up he's kind of battling his own demons it kind of sounds you know clearly that um ones that not a not a girlfriend not a child not any any part of you know kind of growing up was enough to get him to grow up honestly what you've been through is from 
all the people that I've interviewed on here, my own story, you know, my own personal testimony, I think so often we say, so often we don't know why. And you kind of had that moment of like, hey, if I go, then maybe if we can bargain this out, kind of, you know, like you go to therapy, maybe there's a way to fix this or a way, you know, I think in a way you were probably much smarter than I was. When I was at HAS, I was three months into my contract there, right? Because I had started what a couple of months before you did, or we started right around the same time. But three months in, I had called our, our boss at the time, you know, and I had said I'd gotten into a car accident. I didn't know what to tell her, right? Like, what do you say? I'm three months in, I'm new, I'm, I'm moving into a new place. And, and instead, I, I actually, you know, was in a domestic situation, my nose was broken. And um, I didn't know just kind of where to turn to. And, and so I kind of carried that burden with me. And so a couple of things that jump out at me when you were speaking was that one, that isolation of like not being able to tell anybody, you know, like you had that moment, you were a journalist in Alabama. That's a pretty high standing job. You know, everybody at home, they don't realize that, you know, even at the lowest market in small markets, that is still a big, you know, it's a big feat to be up there. You know, people like you, people know you, people see you, you see them in grocery stores. We're making pennies, by the way. You know, I'm glad that you (laughs) you made that point that like you guys were on WIC. Let me tell you, I've had two jobs pretty much my entire news career, right? Like that's that's how well news pays, uh, just to give anybody a perspective. So, um, you know, going through all of that with a pregnancy, take me back to that time because what? how did this impact your work life? Hello, and thanks for joining us today for News 5 at Noon. I'm Haley Minogue. So I actually lost my news job maybe like three months into dating him. He was kind of like hyping me up. Like I'd go home from work and like tell him about a situation and he'd be like, oh, that's BS or like that's this or that's that. And like F that person or whatever. And I was kind of like, you know what? Yeah, yeah. And then one day at work, I mean, my boss was horrible. He was a super toxic guy. But we got into it and I called him a name behind his back and someone told him I did that and I got fired. So I wasn't even working in news anymore. I was I was pregnant. How far along was I? Let's see. I got fired the first week of March and then three weeks later I found out I was pregnant. Mm. Like I, right, I was like, what am I going to do? So I was actually working in retail like through my whole pregnancy and um, during like almost my whole relationship with him, like was just not even in news anymore. I couldn't, I don't, I, I don't want to blame him because I definitely messed up a little bit, probably by calling my boss a name behind his back. And I'm not going to act like I didn't, but like in news that happens all the time that, that people, there's just a difference of opinions and like people part ways and you move on, you get a new contract, it's not a big deal. But I felt like I had to stay in Alabama. I couldn't try and get a new job. I couldn't try and leave and go get a new job because he was like, well, I'm not leaving here. So you need to wait out your non-compete and stay here and just get a job here at another station when when you can. So I could have at that point tried to leave and get a news job somewhere else. And he was like, no, you're not going anywhere else. Like you have to stay here. So um, yeah, through the whole time, but you're, I mean, you're totally right. Especially, I think in smaller markets, people care more about people that are on the news to be completely yeah. honest. That's been my experience that, that you're more recognizable, but people used to come in all the time. And, and, you know, here I am, I was already kind of embarrassed in that market to be like, yeah, I'm pregnant. And like, here's my bare finger. You know what I mean? Like it was a kind of a, a more conservative market. Right. So I'm pregnant. I'm walking around pregnant. They're like, oh, you're that girl from the news. That's not on the news anymore. And here now you're pregnant. So what am I supposed to put on top of that? Like, oh, and by the way, my boyfriend like whoops my butt. 
like on a regular basis. Like that's just too much. I it felt like too much to me to like mm -hmm. have to tell someone that and then have them be like, oh, look at this crazy news lady who's like pregnant and getting her butt whooped. Like it's just, I don't know. I was so embarrassed and it's so, I feel stupid for being embarrassed now, but at the time, like when you're living it, you're just like, I just felt so shameful and he made me feel a lot of shame too. So oh, much of what you're saying kind of mirrors my own situation in Louisville. You know, like I go back to Louisville and it's it's a very bittersweet, I think is the word that I use when I put up a, a Facebook post also about this and my Instagram post on this. Um, because, you know, for the time that I was there, um, I had other issues up in Louisville, right? Like I had, um, you know, when I first started, I would fumble a lot. There was like new city that, you know, you're, you're nervous for other reasons. And then, you know, and then like there's other issues behind the scenes at work that people don't see that just were never resolved or didn't get resolved until many months later. And then when those finally got resolved, I was kind of, okay, like I'm breathing, I'm good. But my home life was ramping up and it was worse and worse and worse. And so I feel like there was just never a spot where I wasn't getting kind of battered, right? Like that's the thing, right? There was never a, a safe spot for me to be like, hey, this is what's happening. And kind of like you, when I'd go home and I'd have a situation, there was never somebody there who would just be like, hey, Paulina, maybe let's look at it from this situation, right? Like I would be that person in my relationship. And then I'd still get in trouble in that situation, right? Like my, my ex would do that. She, she would get so upset with me. She's like, oh, you're just siding with somebody else. And it's like, no, because there's always two sides, you know? Like, I, I believe you and I think you're correct. But I also think that maybe if we put our heads together, there's a way to kind of figure this out where you're not frustrated, they're not frustrated. But I never kind of received that either, you know, like from that person. Instead, I would get ramped up and I'd get more frustrated. And as time went on, I was, there's was frustration building from both sides, right? Like from the job aspect and then my relationship aspect. Here we are, me and you hated each other. And I think, you know, that was definitely a point of contention too. Like at home, I'd go home and I'm like, oh my God, this biatch, this, this, do you know what Haley did today? And I'm sure it was the same for you, right? Like, I mean, that's the thing, like we didn't like each other. It was not like, I, I'm not even gonna try to deny that, but. I don't even know why. Like when I think about it, I'm really like, what did Paulina ever do that was like so bad to me? Like, I don't even, I can't even think of something that I was like, why did I really not like her? And I think that it was just kind of like a, like I was in such a bad point in my life that I was like, what? Like, she's beautiful, she's married. Like literally I was like, she's beautiful, she's married. It's like typical woman jealousy. I'm like, what's so wrong in her life? And I think that that just goes back to like, I had no idea what was going on. I was just like, she's gorgeous. Like she's got this great, like she's, you know, I was of course I was working weekend morning. So I was like, she's like working this great shift. Like she's got like all this great stuff going on. theoretically I was like, what the shift above you. So like, and. Yeah, You know, I think the competition there, I think that's normal, right? Like newsroom competition is so normal. Um, unfortunately, females in the newsroom usually are even more competitive with one another because mm -hmm. the jobs for us are so slim. There's only so few positions to. Once you hit from like reporting into anchoring, there is a whole other level of competition that happens and like that friendship to acquire any type of female friendships at that point, I think is so isolating and it's so hard. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm glad that, you know, this moment that was so dark in your life, that was so dark in my life, we kind of bonded over it because like I said, that was the first time when you walked in, it was during the, you know, the, the, the protests and during these um, self-defense classes and you coming in after just fuming 
which is why I was like, wow, okay. And I look at you too, right? Like, I'm like, okay, she's a single mom. Like, she's really doing it. She's buying a house now. She's She's got a great Twitter following. She's beautiful. And, you know, like, I mean, you're like interacting with the people. Like, people love you. I was having a very hard time in Louisville, right? Like, I did not receive that kind of love from Louisville at first. It wasn't until I was leaving. And so, again, I think that came from my own insecurities. And so that's the thing. We When we talked about this over the phone, and I kind of pitched this to you, so many things happened. We kind of broke the ice also on, on like what happened in Louisville. You had no idea what was going on in my life. No, um, no idea. Neither did any of my closest friends in Louisville. You know, I would get invited to go out and I would, and I declined so often because I didn't want to go through the fight at home. I didn't want to go through so many other things that I knew were waiting on the other side of me saying yes to something. And so... I just, I didn't say anything to anybody until I left, took a mental health leave, came back and then just kind of pretended like nothing happened. Nobody knew what was going on. And I just had a contract to finish at that point, right? And it wasn't until this podcast came about and we started talking and and one of the things that you said to me was like, why didn't you tell me? It's like, I couldn't, I couldn't because now hearing your story, you know, in that moment, like you can't, you don't know how to talk to people, right? Like, what do I say? I remember that day that I came in and I was pissed off and I started talking. I could like see it in your eyes that something was like clicking, that it was like turning. And then I'm pretty sure you like teared up a little bit and I was like, oh shit, like this is gonna click on a completely different level than I intended. Like I was at such the end of my rope that I was just gonna vent to the next, you know, pulse that I met in the hallway, you know, and, and, and I was happy that it was you though. And it, that it was a situation where we could start talking about it because even now listening to you talking about what was going on at home, I'm like, Oh, like that makes sense. Because I was like, Paulina has this, you know, she's got this great job. She's got this, why is she not doing more in the community? Because you're not going to fight when you get home because you don't want to, it's not even worth it to try it. And I'm like, Oh, like that makes sense. But why would I ever think about it that way? And I think that that just goes back to expanding the way that everyone is thinking about stuff that when you are like, just because something looks this way or talks this way, like that does not mean that it is that way. And I think that it's so great that you're doing this because it is really expanding a lot of those viewpoints for me. And I think that, I hope you feel the same way, but I feel like since those times and since those things happened, especially in the last two years, I've like grown so much and I'm trying really hard to keep a better, um, keep a better, I guess, mentality at work and like open up more and like be more myself and stop also like investing so much of my energy into other people and what they're doing and what they're not doing. Like it just, it like, I don't know why I, I shouldn't have used Especially with women, it can be so isolating and you just like come to a point where you're just like, what do I have to do to like get ahead around here? And like, what do I have to do to make more money around here? Like, I'm sick of, you know, living paycheck to paycheck. I'm sick of buying off-brand diapers. Like, what do I have to do to make any kind of money? And in your head, you get to this like desperate, like survival mode, it sounds like. It, it feels like too, it's just like, okay, what do I have to do to push myself or propel myself ahead? And it's like, wait, time out. Like, we do not have to live like this anymore. Like, we are not like rummaging through a jungle, like trying to survive. Like, we are civilized humans, and like, we can. <laughs> For all the most part, we're civilized. <laughs> For the most part, where we can all reach our goals. Like, we can all propel each other forward. And like, your journey is not the same as someone else's journey. And like, at the end of the day, like, everyone has different goals, even if they sound like they're the same goal. I hate that that was what it was that really like changed the trajectory of us but I'm glad that it was something. 
I wish, like I said, I really wish it wasn't that that we had to be like, oh, you got your ass whooped. Same here, girlfriend. <laughs> like, I'm team, glad that they were team yeah. ass whooping, apparently. Right. Which is also like a whole other story, but like, who the frick even wants to try to whoop your ass or whoop my ass? Like, I would not want to run into me or you in a dark alley. Like, how does it always end up people? who like, I would be totally afraid of that. I would be like, oh, that person would whoop my ass. Like, how is it that person that always ends up in that situation? Like it always blows my <laughs> to mind. To be clear, we are the type that will whip our, like we will whip somebody else's ass. Like, right. there so, like, are how do we get in that situation? We, you know, like <laughs> we don't back down, right? We, we fight for yeah. what we want. We go after what we want. And yet so often it's, you know, whether it's the insecurities in us or the the broken, like you said, I think you said it so perfectly in the beginning, you know, like whether it's the insecurities or the broken pieces inside of us, we end up clinging to something that is almost like, I don't know, can I help you? Can I fix you? It's like, it's almost like you're trying to fix yourself and somebody else. And clearly that doesn't work, right? Because the only person that you really need to be fixing is you, because mm -hmm. the people that we keep attracting are these like in just very unstable people who just... You know, so I, I love that you brought that up because um, on a very real note, yes, we don't want to run into each other in a dark alley and no. like, you know, <laughs> we, we, we are nice and sweet, but don't cross us. And I think that's, yeah. that's the bottom line of that. Haley, going back to even that moment for a second, you know, yes, I, I think I did tear up in that moment. I, you know, that moment kind of, I remember it clicking. That's why, you know, you're here, you're on here. I, I thank you so much for coming on too, because well, yeah. really when I reached out to you, I was like, I wonder how she's going to take this. Like, we've never <laughs> had a conversation about this, right? Like, because yeah. even in that moment, I did not say to you like, Hey, Haley, I'm getting my ass beat, right? Like you did not know until I called you a few weeks ago and, and kind of told you about this. And you know, I think it goes to show so often we hide what is going on, you know, and like so often we're just like, we're wrapped up in our own world and we're wrapped up in, like you said, like in somebody else's drama. And I think it almost, that's almost human because we're deflecting from our own things that we're, you know, we're not dealing with. And one of the things that we had said to each other, I think on the phone was that like, you know, hurt people, you know, they bleed on other people. And I think it's such a true statement for us. You know, I find myself to, you know, in this journey of rediscovery and journey of healing, I have hurt people, you know, I've hurt my family, I've hurt um, my friends, and I've, I've hurt everybody. And it's been a path of forgiveness. It's been a path of trying to give myself compassion and grace, but it's also been a path of humbling myself to other people and saying like, you know, I have fucked up and I hate to apologize. Like, I don't know about you, but I find that like, I think you are probably kind of like me in that sense. Like, I don't like to apologize. So it's been a very long journey in trying to like be in a place where I'm okay to talk about this even, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that for me, the apology is like having to admit that like I did something wrong because it's very much my personality to want to be like perfect. And I think that lays back into everything that I went through and, and putting on this facade of like me and my perfect like boyfriend and we're going to have a perfect baby. But like, I think that having to say you're sorry and like admit that you did something wrong or that you said something wrong or whatever is like a really tough thing to have to wrap your head around. But yeah, like you said, I mean, there's been a lot of like humbling myself and like trying to make amends with the people that I hurt. And like, even with um, my child's father's fam, well, I wouldn't even call him a father, even with my child's contributors, family members, like trying to um, 
not necessarily like have relationships with them, but not just like block them out, right? Or cuss them out when they do reach out about stuff. So it's been like this huge journey of, of trying to like wrap my head around where we are, um, recognize some of the things that I still need to work on. And I've been very fortunate to, I've got a couple of therapy sessions under my belt. Like I finally felt like I was in the place to be able to like start doing it. And I have noticed a big change. And if nothing else, just recognizing why some of the things that I still do are kind of the, the shrapnel or the fallout from the situation that I went through. Like I, I have a new partner now. He's totally amazing. Like he is such a great role model. We've been together almost a year and we moved in together. There were like things that he would do around the house that I would just find myself like flipping out over. And I was talking to my therapist about it. And she was like, well, those were the precursors for things that used to bring you physical harm. Like when you would bring up things with your past partner and then, you know, he would ramp up and then him getting upset, like you would have to get upset to like meet that energy because you were in fear. So I was like, having these crazy like mood swings around like really stupid stuff like the toilet seat being up or like him leaving like a sock in the middle of the floor like things that are like yes annoying but like why am I making this such a big deal and it's because my body was so conditioned to react in a certain way to any kind of of um like any kind of issue I guess with my partner so it's just like there's so many things in your life that you don't realize that like your body's adapting and changing and doing this and that. So there's been a lot of like deprogramming in the way that I live normal things in my life. And it's been a lot, but um, I'm constantly amazed at um, like my own strength and my own like mental fortitude. And I'm so thankful for antidepressants and we are, <laughs> we are gonna get through this. Like I, you know what I mean? And, and if nothing else, like I've got this beautiful child who is, I'm not gonna say he's perfect, because no one is but in my mind it's like wow how did this like awesome thing in my life come from such a horrible situation ah. so i am thankful um for him even though sometimes i look at him he'll like make the same angry face that his contributor used to have and i'm like oh i'm scared but no i mean it, it's definitely like a humbling experience and um it's God, it's something else and i hate I hate that I keep meeting people that have gone through similar stuff. Like I hate that there's so many people in our lives that you just like kind of barely mention like, oh yeah, like I was in a really bad relationship and then they start talking about theirs and you're like, how does this keep happening? Like, how are there so many people that were in these relationships? I think we don't talk about it often enough, honestly. You know, like it took us, me moving to another state, me starting to say, you know what? Fuck this. I need to find a way to, to really reach a bigger audience because we do all share mental illness, you know, like we do all share in this, 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 I guess, journey to try and get to mental health at a healthy part, a healthy point in our mental health. And we have a lot of trauma on the way to getting there and like healing. And you said, you said it so well, like deprogramming ourselves, you know, I'm glad that you brought up the fact that you're in a new relationship, a healthy relationship, and that you are going to therapy right now. Let's talk a little bit about that because you know, I am not back in a relationship. I tried to get back in the saddle. I am just not there yet. It's whether it's on the physical, emotional, or even sexual level. Like I just, I'm not there yet. I am just, I'm, I'm still out of it, right? Like I'm still zoned yeah. out. Let's talk a little bit about how long that process was for you. And of course, you know, this is not a, a process 
the timeline for everybody, but kind of like, what was the process for you and how long did it take? My son was born, let's see, it was in November of 2018. And then we started dating in October of 2020. So it was almost two whole years before I had an official relationship and like connected with someone. And like, I started dating when my son was probably like eight months old. Like I started going on dates here and there. I just like downloaded an app just to be like, do I still have it? Like, can I still mm -hmm. like try and figure this out? Horrible train wreck. Like I, I was like going on dates with people that I was, I think that I was projecting like what I was going through into like choosing partners. You know what I mean? Being like, I'm just going to choose someone that's the complete and total opposite of the guy that I was with. And it's just like, it just was not working out. Like I'd go on like one or two dates and then I'd be like, I'm not connecting with you. And like, I went on a date with like the very first person that I went on a couple of dates with, he was kind of like, I just feel like you're, you're not very, I, th I can't remember how he worded it, but the way that I took it was like, I need someone that's more physical. And I was like, I'm not trying to like touch you or like anything like that I think it, and, and then I was like I'm not ready for this we had been on a couple of dates like we probably should have at least kissed by that point and I was just like what no like what are you talking about it was just like this weird like okay like maybe I need to do some self-reflecting and like put some breaks in there but I think that um some of the people that I did go on dates with and stuff like that like they made me realize like I'm not ready for this yet and some of them I was like maybe I would be ready for this yet and, you know, then I would be like, well, are they going to be a good dad or are they going to be this? Or are they going to mm. be that kind of stuff? And I'd be like, well, maybe you're not ready for that part of your life. Or like, you've still got a lot of party in you. You've still got a lot of this in you because like, that's not, I'm not trying to like live that life anymore. And it's fine if, if other people are, especially even at my age, but like, I just cannot physically do that anymore. Like I, I, I'm not paying for a babysitter so I can go to the club. Like that's just not, <laughs> it's not something that I'm trying to do. So uh, once a month, once a year, I think that's, that's permittable though. Just so you know, no, no, yeah, no shade, like no shade. Sure. Yeah, no. And, and, and there are times that like, we do go out, but you know, it was partners that were trying to go out like every single weekend, like mm -hmm. Saturday and, you know, Friday and Saturday nights. And I was like, I know, like I worked all week. I want to stay with my son. I want to hang out with my kids. And they'd just be like, oh, uh, like just completely oblivious, which again, like that's totally fine. But like those were just not the right relationships for me. And then I met during the pandemic when everything started shutting down, um, I was like, well, the apps are useless. Like I'm not gonna go meet up with someone and be like, hey, like tell me about your life. And also like, you have COVID or like, have you been wearing a mask? Like it like kind of brought dating culture to a head in my opinion, because it's like all these conversations that you probably should have been having anyway. Like how many partners do you have right now? Like, are you being safe? Like they all, all of a sudden it's about coronavirus. It's not necessarily only about like your sexual health. So it was kind of like this weird moment of like, okay, whatever. So. Um, I would, you know, at nighttime, I'd come home. Obviously, we're not seeing anyone. I'd put my son to sleep. I would sit on the front porch and I would have a couple of drinks because, you know, we've got this great little area here. Um, there's there's plenty to look at. There's people moving around, whatever. So I'd sit on the front porch, have a couple of drinks. Well, a few of my neighbors were doing the same thing. So eventually, it kind of became this thing where, like, at the end of the night, I'd put my son to sleep. We'd all go sit on the front porch, the back porch, and have a couple of drinks. Well, one of my neighbors um, is actually my partner now like we met because of the pandemic because everything shut down and we were friends for like you know six months or something before he finally was like 
hey, like you should go on a date with me. And I was like, no, when you're not anything. I seriously, I shot him down multiple times. I was like, you're not, no, I, you do not want the smoke. You do not want these issues. Like you don't want everything that I'm going through. But he truly like knew who I was as a person, knew what I had been through. Like we had talked about stuff like that, knew that I was looking for this, that, and the other, and, and, and knew 100% before anything ever happened, like what he was getting into. And I think that at that part in our lives, as some as people who have gone through trauma, like you have to find those people that like you have a solid foundation with. Like there's just so much stuff about who you are as a person that like whether we like it or not is rooted in that horrible stuff that we've been through. So I feel like I was very fortunate to almost have the pandemic as an excuse to like actually you know someone instead of just being like I'm just gonna meet a guy on the nap and like judge him off of what he looks like and like see what happens from there and. I, I feel very fortunate. Um, he's super supportive of everything I've gone through. He's super supportive of therapy. Even, you know, like I said, when we've gotten in like stupid little fights, like he doesn't say like, well, this is like your trauma that you've gone through or like this is that and that. He's always like, well, why are you feeling this way? And like, I, he's just so great with those situations. And we have a great open line of communication where I told him as soon as I had that therapy session where we kind of work through like why I react the way I react when I explained it to him he wasn't like well that's stupid or like well you need to stop doing that he was like that makes sense and I think that that's so valued as someone that has gone through a trauma to have someone that says like I could never relate to what you've gone through because I've never been through there but I can have empathy for you and I can understand that 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 situation was really tough for you and so um you know when you are going through that situation I in turn will show more grace than I would normally if I didn't know about this stuff mm. like I will ramp down even though it might be tougher for him mentally to say to come down from me you know getting worked up he's going to ramp down and then when he gets down he's going to help me get down too and it's been so nice to find someone that's like that because I think that that's so rare and you know it's also someone that has a good mental health um you know good outlook on mental health on their shoulders so it's it's nice to to meet someone like that that's just understanding but I mean I if I had not met him I probably would still be single right now because I definitely for a while been like I'm not doing this anymore like this is crazy and I was happy I was happy alone you know I think that's the thing uh you know I'm learning to date myself right like I think you know you had to learn to date yourself I had to learn to be okay with my broken I was just Mm -hmm. having a conversation even today at, at work and one of the things that came up was that you know for the longest time the partners that I would pick because of what I've been through you know my father's suicide and and all that stuff like I kind of have that same mentality as you did when you were going into dating like who wants this who wants this kind of broken like I have a lot of issues you know like I cry sometimes and I get mad and I get upset and it's not at you I just shut down you know and like I'm great at just shutting down and and kind of disconnecting that's what I do like you know I I I step away I go into a room or I, I take a walk anything that I can do, I paint, I do something other than actually talk it out. And so I think that, you know, again, it goes back to like why we attract the people that we attract, because that's what I thought I deserved, right? Like it's kind of where you were at. And so when your mental health got better, clearly you were going to find somebody that was, you know, kind of at that level of, hey, you're doing great. I want to help you and I don't want to demean you. And I think the word that came up for me when you were talking was validation, you got validation from somebody that like, you know, they're not saying, Hey, Haley, you're crazy. They're saying you've been through something, Haley. 
it's okay to be that way, you know, like, and I think so often that's what we look for when we either, you know, kind of end up picking the wrong people to be with, or when we get into kind of a funk, we just want validation that, you know, it's Mm -hmm. okay to cry. It's okay to be a little bit more sensitive to something, or it's okay to react in a way that you normally would not react um, in that way, but it, it stems from something, right? And as long as you're aware of it and you're willing to change it, and somebody who's willing to talk to you about it, I think that's, you know, like you've already made you kind of win the, you won the lottery at that point, right? I'm still in this battle of, I'm still going through my divorce, right? Like that's not final. Um, and I don't want to have contact with my ex, but there seems to be contact. Like there, I've blocked her on everything and she still finds a way to kind of communicate. I've been reaching out to you because I feel like you've been, you know, kind of somebody who's been through this. And when I don't know, I'm like, you know, everybody else is just like playing to get over it. Don't worry about it. And it's like, no, these things pop up. Right. And so I think let's go back to that because that, that, that two-year journey for you before you, you got into this healthy relationship, you had other issues other than just like wanting to date or, or issues that the fallout from your relationship, it was the physical issues of your ex constantly trying to get back into your life in one way, shape or form. Oh yeah. No, there were definitely like, he would um, create like fake accounts. He would, um, I mean, there was just any, any way that he could try to, I always, it's always crazy to me that like he had that much energy to try and figure it out because I was like, you cannot put a single ounce of energy into like getting a stable job or like trying to come visit your child. But like, you're putting so much energy into making fake phone numbers, like trying to do research on people. So he somehow found out, and I still do not know to this day how he did it. I went on one date with a guy and he immediately knew that I went on that date. And like, it, it scared me so bad that I was like, I need to change all my passwords. Like mm-hmm. I need to change my iCloud passwords. Like I truly think that this man somehow had found a way into my iCloud and was like going through my texts and going through like all this kind of stuff on my phone. Like he is sending me this person's like, like, and I felt so bad too, because I went on one date with this guy and he is like, you know, oh, this, this, and this guy that works at this, this, and this. And like, this was a person that had like a, a career where like his, his place of employment, like if he had, he was like, well, I'm going to um, reach out and like tell this place of employment and like do all this kind of crazy stuff. And I was just like, are you joking me? So there was definitely an element of, of fear and, and living in fear and just kind of always waiting for that next. I mean, I'm sure you can relate. You're like, always wait. Okay. Like, and which way are you going to try and mess with me today? Like, which, you know, how are you going to show up in my life today? Like just terrifying feelings of like, always waiting for something. So I think for me, the terrifying moment was when I went back to Louisville after I took my mental health leave, right? Like I went back and I knew my ex was not living at the house anymore. But as I was driving back to Louisville from New York City, I found out that she moved across the street from me, literally across the street. So there was no way that I could do anything without her watching. And it got to the point where she would get on, you know, she'd come on the porch. She would watch the house. She knew who was coming. I had a plumber come one day. She's like, oh, I see you've got company. Have a great night. And, you know, I, I installed cameras at some point. Like it, it was terrifying. So I think for somebody like myself who I don't, I don't get scared very easily. Like I, I don't get scared easily. I don't back down easily. Um, and I've got a big mouth on me. Like I will, I will protect myself until I don't know how to, right? Until you're kind of in shock and in this moment of like, what the hell do I do? And, mm-hmm. you know, so I think when it continues so 
much later into your life when you've already cut that person off, it's still terrifying, right? Like it doesn't matter that he's states away from you. It didn't matter mm-hmm. that for me, you know, now when my ex still messages me and she's found a way to do it through um, email, like I just like, I, the the rational side of me knows that she's still in Louisville, right? Like that's it. There is no contact. I'm not going to see her unless I go there. And even then I hope she moves from where she's living at and that's it. Um, but past that, it's just like, there is still that irrational fear in you. Like, oh my God, what happens? What happens? Right? Like for me, one of the biggest things was when I was, um, you know, getting the house, uh, the house that we were renting, um, that I was renting, let me put it that way. The house that I was renting is I was fucking paying for right? everything. It was your house. Was my fucking your house. house. My house. I was paying for this shit. You know, I was, I was packing it all up and she kept messaging. She's like, I want to know when you're leaving. I want to know when you're leaving. Haley, you and I have both done more stories on domestic violence than we could possibly ever imagine. And yeah. I know from my, you know, like from, my own research and from the stories, the worst time to ever, like the the most dangerous time for any woman or any man leaving a a situation like this, a domestic situation is when they're leaving, right? Like when they tell their partner, like I have a plan, I'm leaving. That is when you are in actual danger. It does not matter if that partner seems to be okay, that you've taken a break, you've taken some time away. That's when you are in actual danger. And so that moment coupled with, like I said, I'd already had these instances with her. The abuse and the violence doesn't stop when you leave. I think for me, um, and I still have never to this day had a sit down conversation with my mom and talked about some of the things that you and I are talking about today. Like she knows it was bad and she knows that I needed to go and that it was an emergency. And that might be the extent of what she knows about it, honestly. And I think that, um, having a person in your life. And I feel so lucky for that because I just, I know that there are people, so many people that don't have one person, not even one person. But I think that that once you tell one person from there, it gets easier. And the more people that you are able to tell, um, whether it be people that are strictly in your life, people that you shared with your ex or your, your old partner, like that's tough too, is like having to tell those people And even if they don't believe you, or even if they don't, you know, fully commit to the narrative that you're telling them, like just being able to tell them and let them do what they want with that information. So I think that it's really empowering to just talk about it. And Mm -hmm. I know that that's not going to stop the people from reaching out. And it's not going to stop you from like having those, you know, little anxious pings of like, oh, like what's going to happen today. But the more that you're able to tell people about it, I feel at least that it creates like a security force field. And even if that's just completely made up in my head, I mean, obviously, if this no. person mess with your life, like they're going to mess with your life. But to tell more and more people and just be open about your experience, it takes that power away from from them to like tell other people what you've been through or threaten to tell other people like him. He, I remember there was a while that he's like, well, I'm going to tell your mom. Or like, I'm going to tell your dad. I'm going to tell your sister. So I didn't have to tell them everything, but to say like, this person was really bad to me and they did stuff to me that should technically, you know, cause legal issues to, to fall out. Like if, if this person did, you know, did this, this, and this to me, then they should be arrested. Like, I know that that's not how it works, obviously, that like people do horrible things all the time. And even if they stand in front of a judge, they get off, they get out of jail, whatever. But to tell my parents, like this person did illegal things to me and they are not a good person. 
Like that was all I had to tell them. So that when that person would say, well, I'm going to tell your parents, if you won't let me do this, or if you won't do this for me, then I'm going to tell your parents what you went through. You can't tell them anything. I already told them, you know, I, I'm going to tell your boss, or I'm going to tell your employer, well, my coworkers already know. My coworkers know what you look like. You cannot pop up on me. You can't tell my boss anything they don't already know. Like just having that retort in your mind to be able to be like, and that's tough. I know. And, and you know, obviously you're, you're thinking like, oh, do I really want to tell my boss like that I went through this horrible thing? Or like, do I, how can I expect them to understand this? Like, do I really want to tell all my coworkers? No, absolutely not. But if you, there is one person in your life that you can tell and you feel empowered to tell them that something bad happened to you, I feel like it takes the wind out of their sails when you worry about what they could do in life. For me, when I moved back to Louisville, he was like, well, does everyone really want to trust a journalist who like is a dumb idiot and, you know, got pregnant and like, you know what I mean? He would like use that a bit to me. I wonder if people would, would trust you with their stories if they knew that that you were just a dumb slut. Or I knew, I wonder if people would do this or would do that, whatever. And I was like, I'm a, the more you start to think about it and the more that you like empower yourself to tell your story, you're like, you know what? I'm not the only one. So yeah, maybe they would, there would be people that wouldn't like me as much because I got pregnant before I got married. Or there would be people that, that don't like me as much because, um, you know, I fell victim to this horrible situation. But that's not for you to decide. That's my story, that's my narrative, and you're not going to interfere with my life anymore. So just taking back the story. And it's so hard. It's God, so it's, hard, it's, Haley. I think so that hard. you said it so well because, you know, for, the three years that I was in my relationship, the only thing I could not do was talk to people about this. There was that shame, yes, of like, how do I tell people that I'm, you know, I love this woman. I don't want to leave this woman. I don't know what to do. Like I've been trying to talk to therapy and like, you know, talk her into therapy. Let's do this. Let's do that. And nothing seemed to work. And then it wasn't until I left. And I remember my contract ended in Louisville. I went back to New York City. And when I got to New York City, the only thing I wanted to do was, you know what? Fuck the shame. I wanted to tell my mom and I showed her photos and I was like, here's what I've been through. Like, you know what? Like, I didn't know there was nothing more that I wanted to do than just be like, I want to tell everybody for the first mm -hmm. time. All I can do is tell somebody and be like, I have not been okay. I have, you know, I've needed to tell somebody I've needed the help. I have not gotten it. And here I am. And so I think, again, it goes back to like, just opening that window just a little bit and saying, yeah, you know, I have not been okay. It is hard, you know, and Haley, I, I, I get that. I remember that situation. I remember coming back home and I remember just being like, what do I fucking say? But here's the alternative yeah. is I either tell my truth or I keep it inside and it continues to eat away at me and it continues to kill me yeah. physically. And this person then still continues to win. And mm -hmm. so I've got, I've been more free and more happy with telling people how unhappy I've been. Honestly, like that's the thing, right? Yeah. Like you're no, happier yeah. by telling them, Hey, you know what? I've been in a really fucked up place. I'm a little fucked up, you know, like that's okay. Right. <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> and that's okay. Um, and so <laughs> And so I think, again, you know, like it goes, it comes back such a full circle for me and you, especially because, you know, we, again, we hated each other. It was this stupid situation of us opening up and saying, hey, this is what we've been through. You know, we don't like each other and that's okay, but we have this common 
theme in our life that will bring us together. And somehow we make ourselves look more human to one another. Sharing your story, one, it's going to validate you. Again, that word, you know, like validating you, just saying like, breaking that cycle, breaking that silence and saying, I have been a victim. I have been through something. And then take that further, you know, like, no, you don't have to share it with every coworker, right? Like you shared it with your bosses. I shared it with our bosses because I was afraid that our boss would go back into the call logs or the accident reports and, and be like, um, Paulina, there was no accident. So, um, you know, your name never popped up. What accident? Why do you need a month off from work? Um, you know, and so I, I felt like I had to tell her and, and that was not a conversation I've ever had with a, a boss. And how do you say that? It's tough. In the way that I told it too, is that I didn't tell, I don't want to say I didn't tell the whole truth, but I said, I have a really toxic relationship and it keeps finding a way into my life. And he keeps threatening to find a way to take my son. And I want you to know that if something comes up suddenly, that that's why. And that was where I left it. Like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to have to say like, I went through this, 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 and this, and that was fine for me in my head I just had to say something and then you find people along the way too like one of our other colleagues has a similar story has been through this thing and when she talked about it and she started sharing it I said you know what I've been through that too you have inspired me to talk more about what I've been through and maybe I'm not doing it in the same way that she's doing it but that's not a big deal as long as I'm doing it in a way that's good and healthy for me that's all that matters And I do want to say really fast before, I don't know where we're going next with this, but I do want to say that I, and we talked about this earlier, I am sorry for what happened with us. I truly am. Listen, no, I truly am. I want to apologize for what happened because we were not, I was not in a good place. I should not have taken that out on you. I shouldn't have taken it out on you though. Like, you know what I mean? Like you think, I, I keep thinking about it and I'm just like, why did I do that? Like, what was going on with me? And I think that so much of my life is like survival mode that I've like almost, well, I don't even know what happened. I don't even know what was going on in me. I was, you know, mentally bad, like poor situation, wasn't sleeping. Like I was, you know, I had a six month old at home, whatever, but it doesn't matter. Like all of those things do not create an excuse for me to be a shit person. And I really am, I'm, I'm truly sorry. I mean, like you're smart and, and you're, you're funny and you're talented and you know what I mean? Like you did not deserve whatever it was that I, whatever shit that I left on your doorstep. Like that's not fair. So I do really want no, to tell you that I'm sorry. Water and I mean, under the bridge. I think I, you know, the apology is accepted. I apologize to you too, Haley, for, you know, anything that, listen, I have a big mouth sometimes too, right? Like maybe I said something that rubbed you the wrong way, whatever it was. Maybe it was just jealousy, whatever it was. I don't care. You know, like I'm glad that we are where we are today. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm so thankful that you came on here today to really talk about this because for one, we've never had a conversation like this. We've never had a sit down like this. So, I mean, the fact that you were even open to one having this conversation over the phone with me first and being like hey so this is what I'm thinking do you mind talking and sharing your experiences with somebody that you don't necessarily like but two like thank you for just being there for me recently when I've needed to talk about certain things that I don't find other people understand right like I think you know that's that's the other that's the beauty and the power also in talking that like you don't know who you're going to open your mouth to and it could be somebody who has been through something that you've been through and it's somebody who can be either on uh, further in their journey of healing 
and like you, where you are further in your journey of healing, right? Like, so the words that you've said to me have been helpful. Goes back to that, uh, you know, that self-defense class. If that was never, right. if that never happened, like that would have been so shitty too. Like we would have ended up just going along our ways and like hating each other. And it is what it is, you know? So I'm glad that as shitty of a situation that brought us here, we are here and we are talking about it. And again, we never know who we open up to, why we open up to them. And like you said, you just wanted to vent to somebody. I don't believe in coincidences, right? Like I think that there was a reason why that happened and it happened in 2020 that we talked and it wasn't until you know, almost what we're mid 2021 right now where you finally learned what I was going through, you know, like it took that long, but it, you never know, right? Like I think mm -hmm. again, so no coincidences in my life. I don't think there's any coincidences in your life. And I should do the situation. Hey, I, I, I gained a friend out of it. I don't care. Right. There you know, we like, go. <laughs> and a fellow ally. And so, you know, you don't have to air your laundry out to everybody, but just a little bit. You were just venting that day and had no clue that this is where this would lead. Haley, I think any last words that you wanted to add, anything else that you think the viewers and the listeners would uh, take away from this? Celebrate the little victories. Honestly, like if you make it through one day, and you maybe you only cry once instead of crying three times. That is a victory, that is progress, that's worth celebrating. If you have setbacks in your journey, that's okay too. I just encourage everyone to show themselves grace, but more than showing yourself grace, show everyone around you grace too, because you might not think that little things that are going on in people's lives, you might not understand how that could be connected to a greater struggle that they're going through. Haley Minogue, you have been a phenomenal guest. Haley, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. We have patched, um, we've patched this up. I'm glad that we made friends out of this. So everyone, Haley Minogue. You just listened to, and that's okay, a mental health podcast. Please subscribe below. You can also find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.